Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a live podcast and a guide podcast at that. Today, I am joined by the phenomenal and fantastic and radical Ryan Craig, who is the co-founder and managing director of University Ventures. Ryan's commentary on where the puck is going in higher education regularly appears Forbes, Crunch, Inside, Inside Higher Education, Fortune, Hey, Country Beat, you name it. He's the author of A New You, his most recent book, A Faster and Cheaper, Plus Cheaper Alternatives to College, and which describes the critical importance of last mile training and the emergence of boot camps, income share programs, staffing and apprenticeship models as preferred ways, pathways to good first digital jobs, and was named in the Wall Street Journal as one of the books of the year for 2018. He's also the the author of College Disrupted, The Great Unbundling of Higher Education, which profiles the coming shift toward competency-based education and hiring. And today we're going to be talking about just that, his most recent book, A New You, and also some of his thoughts on how education will be reforming post-COVID-19 and how he got his start, and passion for the work he does today. So without further ado, I want to show love to Ryan and bring him on. What's up, man? Hey, Tim. Thanks. Those uh, those accolades uh, sound pretty impressive, but they don't hold a candle to uh, being Mr. Future of Work. <laughs> it's an honor to speak to you, sir. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much. And I, I appreciate you finding time to, to be on the podcast. So Ryan, you know, I would love for you to kind of share a little bit about, you know, how did you get into the, the work you're doing? You know, your passion, I follow you on Twitter and I'm just like, man, I have to meet this man in person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I've been in uh, higher education uh, for over 20 years now. I started my career at Columbia University in the 1990s. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that was sort of the dawn of the online uh, education era. Uh, and so now we're seeing the sort of full fruition uh, yeah. of online education, uh, unfortunately. Um, but uh, over the past 20 years, uh, I've just been seeing a market uh, that's clearly in transition uh, mm. from uh, one uh, where uh, the, the, uh, the message was, uh, you know, your only pathway uh, to a good job uh, lies uh, through college uh, yeah. by sitting, you know, in, uh, through sitting in a classroom, paying tuition, taking on loans, taking on debt. Uh, uh, hoping, ho- hope, hope you graduate and, uh, hope you find a good job. And, and really the, 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 the turning point, uh, was the great recession, uh, a, a mm. more, a more than a decade ago, uh, where we, out of the great recession, we just saw unemployment and un- underemployment, uh, more important, uh, underemployment numbers, which means that you're going into a first job where you really didn't need, uh, that degree in order to do that, uh, to do that job. Uh, those numbers just uh, skyrocketed and, and never never declined. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, what we 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 view that uh, not not so much as uh, a, a change in you know that higher education is doing something different or wrong. Uh, they're not. They're, they're not doing really much different at all. The problem is that uh, the the world of work uh, and specifically uh, the world of hiring, how hiring works, uh, ha- have changed uh, yeah. changed changed dramatically, and 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 a lot of that. Uh, is actually due to technology. So, you know, mm-hmm. ironically, 20 years ago when I got my start in the sector, everyone was saying technology is going to change learning. Uh, and the reality is technology really hasn't changed learning that much, although it it's, may seem like it today. But what the real change is that technology has changed work and changed hiring uh, mm-hmm. to the point uh, that that is going to change uh, higher education because it's gotten so expensive that if you can't get a good first job, it's not worth it for the most yeah. part, uh, because we know that if you don't get a good first job, 
two thirds of the time uh, you'll be underemployed five years later and half the time you'll be underemployed a decade later. Mm. So uh, we call that the uh, the employment imperative uh, that the, sh the, the shift in the market to focusing everyone focusing on, you know, I need to get a good first job uh, out of this. And with the world of work and the world of hiring uh, changing uh, and really shifting or pivoting away uh, from the types uh, of, of programs and skills uh, that uh, traditional higher education programs are equipping students with um, uh, these these uh, you know the education uh, infrastructure is just out of step uh, yeah. with what the employment infra uh, infrastructure is uh, is seeking uh, and that's sort of where where we came in and said all right let's let's be truth tellers here mm. uh, let's understand what's what's happening and, and 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 really if we've done one thing I think we've you know, helped uh, heighten uh, the awareness uh, of uh, uh, the importance of uh, getting a good first job uh, and also uh, how uh, how hiring actually works um, mm. for because, you know, your, your typical uh, faculty member or even career services uh, uh, director, uh, they're thinking probably about the last when, when you know, when, when the last time they went looking for a job may have been when they were sending out cover letters uh, and, res <laughs> and resumes. And obviously, that's not that's not how people uh, apply for jobs uh, at all, anymore. and that's not yeah. how people get jobs anymore. Right. You know, similar to you, I'm a huge fact that you know things are changing, people, right? Like hiring is changing. More importantly, the skills you need to be successful in this new workforce, their digital based skills, right. and more importantly, the human skills matter too. I want to show love really quickly to Alexis and Michael who are tuning in. Shout out to Michael and Alexis. If you're tuning in, you're feeling what Ryan is saying so far. Show us some love in the comments and let us know where you're tuning in from. So yeah, you know, Ryan, I think you, I, one of the things I, I love about your work is that you're a huge advocate of, you know, one, encouraging employers to work with uh, universities as well in terms of partnering, but also having educators and universities see things from the lens of where the puck is going. And I want you to talk to, to us a little bit about, you know, what are some of the or who are some of the companies that you're noticing that are actually involved in education reform? Yeah, look, I mean, I think there's lots of different angles you can come at this uh, from. Mm. Uh, you can come at it from a uh, the angle of, uh, you know, what, what, what sort of new technologies uh, are out yeah. there that are helping to do a better job of connecting uh, education uh, and uh, employment. And I would point to companies like Credly, uh, which is yeah. a leader in digital credentialing. Uh, so, you know, the idea that you can make your skills visible on a skill by skill uh, basis and uh, export those skills to LinkedIn and Facebook. So employers wow. can see it and they're verifiable. Uh, so badging, digital credentialing is, is, is one, I would say ripen, uh, R-I-I-P-E-N, uh, which is providing uh, sort of virtual uh, internships uh, and uh, essentially knitting uh, real work experiences uh, into uh, curriculum. So they allow faculty members, for example, to take a real project from a real employer and incorporate it as a capstone project uh, mm. in their course, which is the kind of experience that uh, employers are going to be looking for uh, in order to you know, think about you uh, for, 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 a, for a position. Um, so there are, um, you know, a range of, a range of technologies out there that, uh, are, 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 are helping to, to, to improve that. But I think more important, we, we are looking at, uh, solutions that are, are sort of a vertical, uh, in nature, vertically integrated, because, uh, it's not just about, uh, upskilling, uh, it's yeah. not just about, uh, you know, financing, uh, students. It's not just about placement. It's about all of them, yeah. right? How do you actually create a full pathway? Because that is what, 
you know, college and universities are, uh, have purportedly been, uh, but, you know, not doing a great job uh, of, uh, and what we need to supplement or in, in some cases replace. Uh, and so if you're going to create a full pathway, you really need to think about the journey uh, from the, uh, the, the, the student or the candidate who needs to be upskilled uh, through to uh, the point at which uh, they are uh, well-situated as a full-time employee making $50,000 uh, annually or more with multiple career paths. Yeah. Uh, and so what are the steps uh, involved in that, uh, in that, in that process? Uh, and what are the barriers that need to be, uh, need to be overcome? We, 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 we've defined uh, the barriers as, as really falling into two categories. What are they? Uh, the first is uh, on the on the indiv- on the student or candidate side. We call it education mm. friction, right? So mm. why why don't tens of millions of people just go out and get these digital skills and soft skills uh, that employers are seeking today? Uh, well, it's the it's the the cost of upskilling uh, yeah. and uh, the uh, uncertainty of an employment mm. outcome. If you could wave a magic wand and eliminate. Uh, both of those things, you'd have tens of millions of people going out and just getting those those skills. So, so the the cost and 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 the uncertainty of the employment outcome. So we look we look for solutions uh, that uh, you know eliminate those, and that means that uh, even your sort of coding boot camp uh, yeah. models that are charging tuition, uh, they they don't really solve that, right? They're wow. they're, they're they're asking you to take a, take financial risk, and and they're they're not guaranteeing you an employment outcome. You, mm. you may have a you know, better better shot at getting a job after you've completed that program, uh, but they're not they're not guaranteeing it. So uh, we we look at models that hopefully eliminate uh, those. So models like, uh, for example, Talent Path uh, mm. or Tectonic uh, or Avenica, uh, where there's just no 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 friction at all. They're literally hiring you uh, from day one uh, of the training program. It's tr- truly like an apprentice apprenticeship. Uh, model, yeah. uh, and then on the the other friction uh, is on the employer side. We call it hiring friction, and that's mm. the reduced reduced propensity of employers uh, to hire a candidate for a role where that you literally haven't done that job before. And it, it it sort of makes the idea of a first first job sort of an oxymoron. <laughs> but increasingly, that that's what employers are looking for. You know, we we've, yeah. we've we've documented. You go look on Indeed at a lot of these jobs. Some of them have twenty, thirty, forty, sometimes even fifty sort of skill descriptors uh, mm. that they're looking for. And a lot of them are digital, as you would expect. Um, they're just, you know, and 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 understand why, right? There, there are two reasons. The good reason is that these are actually uh, uh, technologies that are used uh, in the job. Uh, <laughs> the bad reason is that uh, when you list that job online and you get 500 uh, resumes, the natural inclination of the hiring manager or HR manager is to let's let's make the net tighter Let's add skills yeah. to our filter so we can get better candidates that we're lo- looking at better candidates. But the reality is that no college grad is going to have those skills. I was speaking last year to a group of college and university presidents, and I there were about 300 of them in the room. And I asked them, how many of your institutions provide any, any training at all yeah. on, sa- on Salesforce? Right? <laughs> Which is like the most and, popular skill. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And not, not one hand went up. Uh, wow. in the room. So th- therein lies the lies the problem. So the, the term we coined of last mile training is really what's needed here, but we want to do it in a vertically integrated way. And so, mm. you know, these these models like Talent Path that I mentioned that really combine, uh, you know, sort of the best of uh, upskilling uh, with the best of staffing and placement. It's a model where there's no friction for the candidate because uh, you're hired on day one, you're guaranteed a job, you're not, you know, paying, you're being paid from day one. And there's no friction on the employer side because Talent Path acts as the employer of record uh, mm. for up to two years. Uh, for the, and I think that, you know, in the current COVID environment, these vertically integrated models become more important than ever because, you know, put yourself in the shoes of an employer right now. 
you yeah. know, th- thinking about hiring, hiring is not really on their radar screen. They're, they're, they're yeah. engaging in layoffs and furloughs right now. And hiring probably, I just read an article this morning, Google, uh, which is, is doing pretty well uh, through yeah. this, uh, this crisis is actually slowing their pace of hiring as well. So everyone is slowing the pace of hiring. So how do we encourage uh, employers uh, to uh, restart hiring, accelerate uh, hiring? And the answer needs to be, you know, reduce the friction. Uh, yeah. for them, empower intermediaries who are going to take uh, take the risk. And in fact, I've, I've probably had a, a phone call uh, every day this week so far with someone mm. who's in the sort of a policy world uh, to talk about new new programs. And I think we should have uh, public funding, uh, not just for uh, upskilling and education and training, but public funding for placement uh, yeah. as well. It's, it's high time that we started funding the outcome uh, we're trying to achieve, uh, which is actually putting someone into a good job uh, as opposed to, you know, what I, I wrote about last week, which is, you know, I, I'm not against upskilling, but I'm against mindless upskilling, right? Yeah. The idea that somehow, you know, you, 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 you know, everyone uh, in America should have access to a coding uh, boot camp. That's great, but that doesn't mean that we're going to millions of those people are going to be hired uh, as get jobs. Uh, Java engineers because no one's hiring them right now. <laughs> it's so true. So you think it's a matter of addressing that education friction as well as that em- employment friction and creating more vertical in a vertically integrated models. Yeah, we need we we need to think about it uh, as intermediaries who kind of absorb the friction mm. uh, away from the candidate and absorb the friction away from the end uh, end employer, uh, and who can be rewarded uh, by it. And there are models today that even in this economy uh, are uh, are are uh, they're they're seeing that reward. Uh, mm. But uh, look, if we're interested in putting the, you know I don't know whether it's two three or you know eight million. Americans who are out of work now, whose jobs just won't be coming back. It's some yeah. number, li- some number like that. Uh, even when we've beat this thing, uh, they're going to need help. Uh, and the idea that somehow we're just going to, you know, uh, do the same things we've always done. Uh, like the answer cannot be that eight million people are going to be uh, told that uh, they need to go back to college. Yeah, that's not not going to not going to happen. <laughs> and 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 you know, I, I, the the funny thing is that you know probably a decade ago that wouldn't have seemed so silly, yeah. but now after another you know with the Great Recession, but now after we've seen what's happened and we've seen the world of work and the world of hiring move away uh, from higher ed and higher ed basically stay static uh, in terms yeah. of what it's what it's doing the skills that it's uh, that it's that that that, that it's enabling uh, in in students. Uh, it, it now seems laughable uh, yeah. to, to, to say that you you don't even have folks uh, from the higher ed lobby at one Dupont Circle uh, in Washington arguing uh, for that uh, for for that side. They just want to tr- try and keep what they have. Yeah. By the way, you all, this is an unscripted show. This is Ryan sharing things just from the top of his mind, and they're as valuable as ever. And I want to show love to our amazing community. Alexis is saying, for your definition of first jobs, are you looking at full time or part time? Full time. Full time. Yeah, full time. Uh, you know, our definition is a good first job is full time, fifty k or more salary. That could vary. I mean, in San Francisco, it's probably seventy k uh, or more. But you know, fifty uh, k and then multiple career paths. So, uh, meaning that uh, you're in that job, uh, and of the hundred people who were in that job, uh, you know, five years ago, uh, 80, 80 of them are still in the industry, uh, and they've gone, uh, you know, across multiple career paths uh, to move up to manager or director uh, level uh, from from, mm. from 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 where you started. So, uh, it cannot be like a dead end sort of you know a customer service representative uh, job uh, at a call center. 
Betty, who is a frequent viewer, shout out to Betty, who's amazing. She designs innovative learning experiences, and she resides in Chicago. She mentions Higher Ed just released a white paper called Careers in a Changing Era, how he can fight the skills gap and prepare students for work. What's he? Hey, oh, how higher education? education. Yeah. Have you read that? Ryan? I haven't. I haven't. I'll look it up, though, after this. Uh, sounds right up my alley. And Betty says the, the report suggests that 30 to 40 percent skills gap currently is what we're facing. Look, I mean, I, th- I think that the numbers are astounding. Uh, yeah. You know, t- two months ago, pre-COVID, uh, we were, you know, we had tens of millions of workers who were uh, underemployed or out of position relative to what employers were seeking, and then astoundingly, seven million unfilled jobs uh, yeah. in the country, mo- most of which were sort of uh, upper middle and upper skill uh, positions, uh, where you had companies just simply could not find uh, the skilled uh, talent. Yeah. Uh, and and really what's changed is, you know, a, a generation ago or two generations ago, uh, employers were, uh, you know, quite willing to hire you on uh, and train you. Mm. Right. Mm. Think about think about sales. We were talking about Salesforce before. So yeah. think about sales. Think about how many Fortune 500 CEOs got their start uh, working as an entry, you know, entry level sales job. Yeah, like almost all of them. Yeah. Right. Uh, today, most of those jobs you know, you look at, you look at the job postings and they ask for two years of Salesforce mm. experience. Like what, <laughs> you know, where, where are you going to, the, wh- wh- where are you going to get that, uh, as a college grad? So that, that, that sort of encapsulates the problem that we're, that we're seeing. Mm. And I think what's so powerful about what you're saying is that it's just how far are in terms of education, how far away education is from blending with what the, the innovation that's going on in the private sector in terms of new tools and new technologies are, that are always being created. And I think as we as we move into the future, that disparity is only going to grow larger. Right. And, you know, I have a I have a younger sister right now who attends Texas A&M. And right now, all of them are, are learning through Zoom. Right. right. So everyone's invested in remote learning. And I would love to. And, you know, recently she was telling my dad, you know, like, you know, she has to pay for, you know, her, her, her tuition for next year. And like she would have to kind of pay eight, I think, eight thousand in student loans. Right. And, you know, I was having a conversation with my dad and I was telling him, like, don't you dare. <laughs> let's not let's not invest it. Like, don't do that. You know, especially with where education is right now and where the future is going. I'm like, let's not do this. I mean, that I don't think that that would be a, a good investment. So you, I was I was actually encouraging him to completely rethink, like, even having her go to university. And I would love to get your thoughts on this, you know, Ryan, like with this shift now with every higher education institution saying, let's invest in remote learning, you know, what's going to happen from here? Like, do you see students and do you see parents completely reconsidering, you know, where they put their money? Well, let's let, 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 let's sort of separate the short term from the long term. Yeah. Uh, right now in my world, everyone is uh, consumed daily with the reports of, you know, this survey says this, that survey says this in terms of what students are going to do uh, in the uh, in the fall. Uh, every university is going to say uh, that they're opening up uh, and students are coming back to campus uh, because uh, if anyone actually uh, went out today and said, oh, we're going to continue remote learning in the fall. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to see what their uh, fall enrollment numbers uh, look like. So they're gonna they're gonna promise something that looks yeah. normal, uh, whether it's it's truly normal or 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 or, or that's just a facade. Uh, we 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 won't know. Uh, at a minimum, I would say the best case scenario for the fall right now 
uh, is that uh, students are welcome back onto campus. Uh, mm. And in order to affect social distancing, at least uh, in the classroom, uh, you're doing half of your courses online and half on ground. So you can sort of space out uh, in the in the classroom as to how uh, colleges and universities manage residential uh, life, uh, dining halls, cafeterias, uh, and, uh, athletics, uh, and extracurricular activities. For example, my son, who's in the eighth grade, mm. uh, plays trumpet. And, uh, we were just on a, a zoom meeting this morning with the school. Uh, and, uh, the, the head of the school was saying, well, I don't know how, uh, we're going to have, uh, 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 you know, brass and wind players in the jazz band. Uh, if we're supposed to be wearing masks, like if you're a violin player, you can, you know, wear a mask. But if you're a trumpet player, you obviously cannot. Uh, my, my son plays trumpet. So um, bad news. Uh, so h- how they manage those things, I think, is, remains to be seen. But uh, I think even even uh, assuming that every college uh, follows that guideline, says, come back, welcome back. You know, we're going to manage as best we can. Uh, at a minimum, uh, I think uh, enrollment is going to be off 10 or 20 percent. Uh, from this year. Yeah. And then you add to that uh, the massive cuts that we're expecting in state budgets. Uh, so schools like A&M may find uh, that uh, their revenue uh, f- uh, in the next academic year falls short by somewhere between 20 and 30%. Uh, wow. So that's just unprecedented. Yeah. Uh, and uh, colleges and universities are just going to need to, you know, that, 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 that's more than just like cutting this program or even closing this campus that's like a seriously rethink how you achieve student outcomes. Mm. Uh, and again, let's, let's discuss what the outcome is because, you know, most colleges and universities, that's a very difficult question to ask, right? None yeah. of them, uh, not for, for, you know, zero universities track whether, what percentage of their students get good jobs. Wow. Zero. So, um, you know, so they'll, they'll, you know, so, some track that, you know, in response to our survey, 80% said that they were either employed or in graduate school six months after graduating. But that yeah. doesn't answer the question of how many are in good jobs. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, so and, and, and virtually none uh, actually measure learning. So yeah. you, bear, you have you have only a handful that actually use sort of pre post tests uh, to uh, assess, you know, here's what Here's where our students were and from a cognitive skill level uh, at, at, you know, first day of freshman year. And here's where they are, uh, you know, final semester of senior uh, year. And look at the improvements we've made along all these metrics. They don't they don't do that. Uh, so there's really no accountability for uh, learning uh, or uh, or employment. Uh, so these are hard conversations to have. And the question is sort of rethink how you achieve student student outcomes. They don't even know how they're doing uh, along yeah. those those lines. So. Uh, Right now, so um, yeah, I I I I think it's a it's a uh, it's a very challenging time to be a college or uh, or mm. or university. I think in the long term, I think your sister, uh, if 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 uh, uh, the, the the ultimate question, and I talk about this in my book, uh, is uh, is this degree affordable yeah. for your family? Uh, yeah. So uh, eight thousand dollars is affordable for many families. It's not affordable for lots of other families, and and. Uh, uh, you know, I, in my book, I suggest a, a, a test. I, I, I refer to the Lumina Foundations. And, uh, you know, uh, there, there are some colleges that pass that uh, test and, and many others with generous financial aid that pass that pass that test. But if you don't have an attractive financial aid mm. uh, package uh, for that, then, uh, you know, you would be well served to look at alternatives before you make that uh, commitment. 
Um, and so I think what you're going to find is that lots of uh, lots of students are going to be taking uh, a gap year <laughs> effectively in the next year uh, or uh, sort of uh, taking a year off and reconsidering uh, what they're uh, what they're what they're doing, what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, no, that's powerful. You know, with that said, Ryan, you know, where can people find out more about a new you? <laughs> oh, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, if you've well, you've listened to this podcast, you probably don't need to buy the book. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, a new, uh, just look up. Uh, I, I, I Google fast, faster plus cheaper <laughs> alternatives <laughs> to college. A new you, um, uh, but uh, and you can also subscribe to. Uh, my newsletter, uh, uh, which goes out every, uh, every two weeks, it's called the gap letter.com uh, mm-hmm. G A P letter.com. Uh, and, and, uh, that's sort of the, uh, the latest, uh, thinking, uh, as to, uh, wh- where, as you say, where the puck is going, where the puck is going. And if you loved this live online episode of the unleashing the future of work podcast, please share it with your network on LinkedIn and be sure to tag Ryan and I, and also make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter. He is prolific on Twitter, incredibly active, always sharing the latest news on what's going on in education as well as in the workforce as well. So please check him out on Twitter. With that said, don't forget to share this episode. And if you're interested in being a guest or sponsoring a future episode of the Unleashing the Future of Work podcast, check out utfow.com. Thank you all so much, Unleashing the Future of Work community. Ryan, thank you so much for finding time and being on this episode. Do you have any parting words for our amazing community? No, look, thank you for everything you're doing to highlight these issues. I think that uh, at this point in our history, uh, there's uh, almost nothing. Once we beat this pandemic, nothing is going to be more important than helping Mm. to establish new pathways to work. Uh, It's not Mm. going to it's not okay to say we're going back to the same. Uh, the same, the same system, the same uh, pathways uh, that we've uh, leveraged before. So, uh, everyone, uh, get active, get involved. Uh, f- follow me on Twitter, Ryan Craig uh, uh, AP. Uh, it's Ryan Craig Gap, as in the Gap letter. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I look forward to engaging with you. Let's let's work together to uh, to to help change America for the better. I love it. I love it. And shout out to Betty, who's going to get the last word today. Kudos. Great conversation. Thank you, Betty. Be sure to share it. All right, y'all. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Peace, love, and I'll see you tomorrow.